This podcast is designed for you to discover more about who you are, to challenge your old adopted beliefs, and to expand your awareness of what's really possible. I'm Adam Esco, and this is The Unspoken Agreements. Welcome back to the Unspoken Agreements podcast. I am your host, Adam Esco. Before I introduce our amazing guest for this episode, I want to share a little bit about myself. I work as a transformational coach. For seven years, I was working as a periodontist, a dentist, a gum dentist, and I found myself just terribly frustrated, depressed, tired, unenthused, and most of all, just scared what the next 5, 10, or 15 years was going to look like. I couldn't imagine a life still in that world, and it scared me. One decision, one act of giving myself permission to look outside the box changed my whole world. And now I get to work with people who want to live a different life for themselves to build and grow things in their life that they didn't know was possible and help them get the results. If this is something that you want for yourself or for a loved one, please feel free to reach out to me at adam at escocoaching.com. I'm also thankful to be working with TruthWorks Media, who produced this podcast. Podcasts in 2020 is taking over businesses, large corporations, small businesses, and startups alike. TruthWorks Media works with both Fortune 500 companies and people starting for the first time. They're terrific. I love working with them, and they've been so instrumental for getting this podcast up and running. Thank you, TruthWorks Media. So now it is time to introduce our amazing guests for this episode, Roxy and Lucas Francis. Roxy and Lucas work with and coach developing artists from anything from vocally coaching them to mentoring, songwriting, recording, marketing, the whole business. They're truly experts in the music industry. They've lived it, they're living it, and this is their passion. They believe strongly, and you're going to get a sense of this, that a healthy mindset is the key to success. They've invested heavily into their own development with mentors, with coaches, with therapists, and they bring all of that expertise and all that development to their clients. In the episode, you're going to hear how they followed their dreams in spite of all the people who were saying, like, when are you going to give this up? You're, you're not going to be able to be successful in this industry. You're definitely not going to be able to make money. This whole starving artist myth, and they just debunked that. So we get into some great discussion on what characteristics are essential to becoming successful and why talent isn't necessarily one of them. It's a fun-filled episode. They do a great job of sharing so much insight and value, and I can't wait to introduce and have you experience Roxy and Lucas. Okay, it is my great great pleasure to be with Roxy and Lucas today. This is really a treat for me. I know we're on different sides of the country. You guys are living in California right now and I'm in the DC area, Northern Virginia. So hello, three hours in front of you. Thank you for being here. This is, this is going to be a real treat today. We're so excited to be here, Adam. Thank you so much for having us. How are you doing today, Adam? 
Good, Lucas. Thank you, brother. So it's funny because I was thinking about when I first met you two, we were in a conference in which you two were being featured for some of the personal and professional growth that you had gone through over really the course of, I don't know, the last few years. And that's something that I'm excited to get into a little bit more about today. And I got to see you both on stage share and you really just captivated me to the point where I was like, I have to not only meet these people, but find out more about what's going on in their lives. How did they get to there where they are now? Was it always like that? Was it something that was smooth or were there a lot of bumps along the way? So very excited to talk to you both and to learn a little bit more. Likewise. So you're both in the musical and singing coaching mindset work. You have kind of these multifaceted hats that you do. Can you take us back a little bit and share with me a little bit of how you got to where you got to together? Absolutely. Uh, Lucas and I met a little over 10 years ago. Uh, When we met, we, well, first of all, it was love at first sight. Uh, Lucas tapped me on the shoulder. We were at a mutual friend's birthday party um, at a club, actually, on Hollywood and Highland. And I turned over and looked at him, and we locked eyes. And we both uh, found out later that we both immediately thought, I think this is the person I'm going to marry. And um, and so that was true, and we shared that story at our wedding. Uh, but that night, we talked about our big vision. And our big vision was to become superstars. Um, but even bigger than that, we had this idea in our mind that we wanted to help other people um, realize who they were meant to be in the world. It didn't even necessarily have to be in the department or industry of music. We just wanted to achieve, I I would say, enlightenment. And we were really into that at that time. And we thought, you know, we'll do that when we're 40 after we're superstars. But in the meantime, we're going to focus on our careers. And um, fast forward, you know, 10 plus years later, I feel that our business is really about that. Um, It's not, our company is called I Heart My Voice. And it's not just about music, but it's about following your heart's desire. It's about um, becoming who you truly are, who you were, your purpose, who you were put on this planet to be so that you feel excited and energized and that work doesn't feel like work. It feels like pleasure uh, because you're lit up just to get up in the morning. You want to leap out of bed. Um, And so in... In the course of these 10 years, I would say it has definitely been a struggle. Um, we've had many ups and downs. Uh, we've had many, many different mentors um, that have guided us to bring out our musicality uh, and continue our vision as artists, but also to uh, propel us towards more life to uh, bring us the type of personal freedom, joy, financial freedom that we always envisioned for, um, that we were capable of. Um, Did you want to add anything to that, Lucas? Yeah, you know, we couldn't have done it without coaching. And it's the coaching in all of the areas over the last 10 years that's really made the difference, along with just continually staying at it and never giving up on our bigger vision for what we had in mind for both our music and our desire to change the world. 
which over the years has now become a blend of music and coaching. So this is this is fascinating, you guys. We got to spend a second here. So the very first night that you two locked eyes, met each other, you're getting into your shared visions for life. This is <laughs> this. Does, I mean, I'm what what movie am I watching here? This actually happened. How old are you two when you guys met? We were 25. Roughly. Wow. Mm-hmm. And you. And so when did you realize those visions independently for yourselves? Can you take me there a little bit? Sure. Um, I, when I was seven, I was studying at a conservatory of music in um, the San Fernando Valley in California. And I was on stage singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And I think that was the first time I realized that the stage was my home. Mm-hmm. And um, I loved it because it was a place where you were free to express yourself. And um, of course, there's the attention that you get as well that I think a lot of musicians and artists um, seek. Um, and from there, I continued to perform um, at this conservatory. Sometimes I would perform three or four times a week. Um, and I went to a high school that you had to audition to get into called the Hamilton Academy of Music. And um, and then I was a scholarship um, grad from UCLA's music department as well. So um, I had always held the vision of being a musician and a singer in my heart. Um, but there was definitely a lot of conflict in my family around um, what kind of success a musician could achieve. Um, mm. There's the cliche thought that you're either born with the talent or you're not. And that success yeah. is for, you know, one, one in a million people actually make it in this industry. Um, yeah. And back then, that was true. Uh, when I met Lucas, that was pretty true. The industry was run by a couple of large uh, major label companies. And outside of that, uh, there wasn't really a route for musicians as entrepreneurs. Um, so mm. I spent hours upon hours daily rehearsing growing up. And um, when I met Lucas, uh, he had a very similar story. Do you want to share your story? Yeah, so I got started uh, right around seven as well on piano, and then a couple of years later on the upright and electric bass. And, you know, my parents, we have no music in our family, but they both had just a love of it from the beginning. And vinyl was constantly playing in the house in all genres. So I grew up loving all genres of music and with piano and bass throughout my teenage years and into college, I was playing and performing in pop, jazz, classical, funk rock, everything under the sun. And I just knew that I had to do music. And it's interesting because because there was no musical background in my family, there was not necessarily an awareness of what path I could actually take to make a career out of it. But there was a, a vague idea that I could join a symphony or I could uh, join a jazz band, but that was, that was about it. And I went through college. I got an undergrad and a master's at USC in, in music performance. And I got incredibly good at my instrument. And yet there was very little focus on what the actual career path would be. So throughout my twenties, I performed as a a session player, uh, jazz band, symphonies, ensembles, scoring sessions in Hollywood. I got to play for some of the greats like Stevie Wonder and John Legend and Sarah Boreas and Yo-Yo Ma and John Williams. But there was still not a solid career path. Like I was, I was getting gigs, but I wasn't paying the bills the way I needed to. 
And so there came a point, which was actually right around the time that I met Roxy, where I was sort of having a come to Jesus moment of knowing that I loved doing this and I was having some success, but knew there was something much greater in store for me. And when I met Roxy at the Geisha House in Hollywood, which is no more on the, uh, the dance floor, it was just incredible because when I saw her, I knew that that path, whatever it was, was connected with her. I'm thinking this along the way, you're young, you've got these, these passions, these, this thread deep down your core through music, and you're not necessarily seeing the, the picture or the results of how this could turn into a business. So were there people, do you remember people in your lives that were kind of saying the message, okay, like, hey, it's time to move on. Did that show up in your lives or did you let that get into your psyche at all? It definitely showed up and it definitely played a role in our psyche. You wanna talk about on your end what that looked like, Roxy? Oh yeah, I mean, I was told, when are you gonna give this up? Um, you're too old for this. I was told, even in my teen years, that I was overweight or I didn't have the right look um, or I didn't have quite enough talent um, from anyone and everyone, um, close friends, um, family members, relatives, people in the industry. Um, but really, I think that at that point when I met Lucas, it was it was all coming tumbling down where, um, pretty much everyone in my immediate environment uh, was telling me to stop, stop and get a real mm. job. Despite having some pretty decent success, uh, both with getting gigs with some of these larger names and just being about as good as I could possibly imagine playing the instrument, uh, you know, still not paying bills in completion. Uh, you know, my parents had some great suggestions for me that included getting a job at Costco. Yes, that was a big one. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe maybe getting some kind of uh, office job in, in technical work. And, you know, and of right. course, they're coming from a place of love and support because parents want to sure. see their children safe and secure. And following what you love is not, I, ideally, that's part of it, but it's for parents, not necessarily a crucial element in in relation to safety and security. I love this because you guys are sitting back now looking at the other side of where you were for the first 25 or so years of your life. And at that time, without the other side, this other perspective that you sit in now, I'm guessing most of you really believes what they're saying, this starving artist myth, as you put it, is a real thing. Would you say that's that's accurate? Absolutely. I would say that um, most most of those people still believe that. I think until you brought it up, I actually believe that was true. How do you take someone like me who hasn't heard this other side, and this is what you do with your coaching programs and the entrepreneurs and the musicians you work with, how do you lead them, and hopefully me, away from this myth and into truth? Right. So... I think the number one thing is being in touch with the desire for what you want in your life and making sure that you're lit up by that. You know the why, the why behind why you're doing this. And um, that was a big discovery process Lucas and I were talking about. When we met, we talked about wanting to have the school that focused on enlightenment. And the core of music, you know, which is vibration, 
um, it, which is beautiful when you hit those right notes and the vibrations are lined up in harmony with each other. Um, there's something spiritual about that. There's something universally aligned about music and the perfection of music. And to attain that is really found through the loss of ego, right? The loss of judgment, the loss of uh, left brain, trying to think you can figure everything out, the distractions, the the thoughts, the environment, the society, what society tells you you should be doing. When you let go of all of that, that's where the music flows through you. And that's where you connect with something in the universe that's bigger than yourself. Yeah. No, I'm glad you said that because you're, you're, this is like the aha and the wisdom that you're sharing right yeah. now. And I'm going back to not only parts of the times in my lives when I kind of had doubts and questions about what the heck am I doing? And the people that are listening may be thinking the same thing. And here you are 25 in your 20s and yeah, you have your passion, your vision, but you're not seeing it into fruition. How do you, how does it go from that place to starting to believe that, yeah, you know what? I am meant to do this. And yes, I have faith that the, the success, financial success or whatever you just find the success to be will actually show up. Yes, that was, that's totally it. So when you're in touch, when we got in touch with the why, which was connecting to something greater than us and wanting to make an impact and spread that message um, that, mm. that, that you can do what you love, that life is meant to be enjoyed and explored and experienced from a higher perspective, that, you're, that you don't have to be miserable, that you don't have to struggle. When you can tap into that and trust and believe and have faith that you're meant to be happy and enjoy your life, then the doorways start to open. Then you now have the possibility to see an alternative pathway. And that's what the truth is. The truth is that there's always a left and a right, an up and a down, the front side of a coin and the ups, opposite side of that coin. And if you're looking in one direction, um, but your heart is telling you that you want something different or something more, then that pathway absolutely has to exist. And that's part of what mm -hmm. we do in our coaching is we help people see what is the pathway, but you can't see it if your heart's not open to it. That's the thing. Ah, uh, that's 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 a really fun conversation that I I am so tempted to go down that rabbit hole. And you know what? We're gonna do it for okay. a second because so I I've come across so many people and I've felt this before myself that will say, "Yes, I know that my heart is not in this, but how can I?" I just have no idea what my desire is. I have no idea what my passion is. Where do those people begin? What what guidance would you have for people that say, I for something's off, but I don't know what and I don't know where to go? You know, a, a really simple but really powerful exercise that we start with our clients when when they're looking for that clarity on their their next step or their their big purpose in life. It's just asking themselves a very simple question, writing it down on paper. What do I want? And just writing, just let your mind, let your intuition, let your higher self 
guide you. And spending that time in that devoted space, that's where the clarity comes. Yeah. What lights me up? What did I do as a child that brought me joy? Um, And then the next step would be just to take a step, to take a step, even if it scares you. Um, And to take a step, especially if it scares you, and to mess up, you know, to screw up, to take that step. And then you know, because you Mm -hmm. learn by experience. And if you never experience that list, say you make a list of 20 things, if you don't experience each one of those things, you never know what it's going to be. And um, there's a, I believe the Buddha says that um, you figure out who you are when you figure out all the things that you're not. Yeah, you gotta get, gotta get in the game. And if it scares you, like you said, you're probably on the right yes. track. But getting in touch with that, back in touch with that within yourself, to open that door back up, to open your heart back up, whatever you want to call it. I yeah, if there's that. not a gulp factor, the goal isn't big enough. <laughs> and the gulp factor. <laughs> and our <laughs> coach uh, David Nagel, he he taught us that the. Um, let me see if I can remember this right. That spirit t- only tells you what to do, what not to do. So if you, yeah, so if you feel scared about something, that's not your heart gui- guiding you. That's your subconscious programming. That's your ego trying to stop you to keep you safe. Mm, mm. Listen to the desire. Fantastic. You know what's interesting that I noticed and that yeah, I heard you, I think I heard you said when you were introducing. Uh, some of the first words you were saying about yourself is that it's more, both of you preach that singing is a skill and that success doesn't really have as much to do with talent as we tend to believe. But I I was always thought like, like, I know I'm not gonna be a singer, but I don't have it in my heart. But can can you talk about the balance between a talent and developing a skill when it comes to you know, singing or anything else. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably a, a decent example of that because again, you know, there's there's no musicality in my family. You know, we're mm. all accountants by trade for the most part. And I just was born with a love for music. And, you know, when I started out on piano and, and bass, there was no talent evident on display, but I had an unshakable desire to play all of this amazing music and all of these amazing genres. So and because I loved playing so much, it was actually pretty easy for me to consistently devote initially one to two hours a day on each instrument. And then throughout my teenage years and in my 20s, you know, those numbers ballooned from, you know, three to four maybe in, in high school to anywhere from like six to 10 hours a day in my, my 20s. And it's, you know, like there's the 10,000 hours idea and it's definitely true. I mean, that's, that's actually a great starting point. Um, I got good at my instrument. It had nothing to do with talent. It had to do with committing that time and those hours in a focused way for every day, every week, every month, every year. That's how the results come. It is a skill that I developed. It had nothing to do with talent. Yes. And then I want to add to that on top of having the talent, because we have seen some of the most amazing singers walk into our studio and sadly, nothing come out of come out of it. You know, no careers uh, years down the road. And then we've seen artists that have, you know, they're relatively good, or even some artists that really don't have the ability to sing wow, sparkling American Idol kind of notes. 
but they've made it. You know, they have millions, 60 million Spotify streams. They have um, primetime Nickelodeon television shows. One of the artists I trained for five years, Victoria Justice, she was an actress and um, a print model. And she didn't even consider herself a singer, yet she got she landed the role on Nickelodeon's primetime show, Victorious. And the why behind that was her drive. You know, she was in touch and she believed that she was meant for that success and that abundance. And she had an impact that she wanted to make, a positive impact she wanted to make on the world. And I believe that that's why she got as far as she did. She had a was a wonderful person to work with inside and out authentically. And she did the work. Um, and I think that's more important than anything in, in any industry is your um, commitment. And I wanted to say a last piece that there's a, a quote, a Will Smith quote uh, that I like to share where he says, the reason why he made it, um, he says, if, if I'm running on a treadmill and you're, there's some people to the right of me and to the left of me running on that treadmill, the reason why I made it in my career is because they all got off the treadmill and you can come the next day and I'll still be on it. I'll still be on that treadmill running. So it's, it's about keeping going, just keep going. Oh, I love that so much. I mean, that when, even when you're just saying that quote by Will Smith, I think from an athlete standpoint, the person that epitomized that in my generation was Kobe Bryant, who had just had this un, unstoppable will uh, that no one was going to outwork him, and you know, you look at Kobe, and, and he was, you know, maybe one of the top ten or fifteen players ever to play. And, and people have these, you know, incredible stories about how he was in the gym much longer than anybody else. Um, yeah. Didn't maybe wasn't even the most talented player to ever play, but became that. And to yeah. hear you share that about you know what you've seen from in your industry and the people that you've worked with. It just continues to go to that idea of desire and drive and, and not only that, but faith that you will be able to manifest whatever it is that's in your heart. Uh, I love that so much that you've been able to see that even with the super talented people, if they're not willing to get past what stops them, mm-hmm. they'll never really see their full, their full potential. Yeah, and talent alone in no way guarantees your success. Yeah, I love that. You know. Clearly, you two do a lot of mindset work in your field as coaches, um, and I'd love to get into this a little bit. I looked on your website and found some incredible gems here. There was, you have a very extensive blog that was wonderful. I, I opened a few of them up, and one thing caught my eye, and this was um, about an, an affirmation page that you had in your blogs. And I'm gonna read a couple of them that, that pertain to me and paraphrase a little bit. One was, I love performing and sharing myself and my feelings with others. And then I think right after that was, the sound of my voice is not my worth as a person, it's just expressive air. And then you've got all of these beautiful one-liners that even say something like, even though I'm afraid I can't just get up there and have a good time, I deeply and completely love and accept myself and I choose to feel good about my performing now. I mean, this is fantastic. I was thinking how great this could be for any performer, musician, 
people that get up and publicly speak, whatever. How have these things impacted yourselves, this, this, this mindset work? How has it shaped yourselves as individuals, as performers, and how has it impacted the people that you work with? Well, I think that, you know, we start all of our sessions with affirmations mm. um, because the subconscious mind is is programmed from the age of seven and it's infiltrated with um, doubt, worry, fear, negativity. Um, and the most important thing is to transform um, those thoughts into what you actually want. So, um, and if any doubt, worry, or fear enters in, um, you have to have an arsenal of tools to retaliate immediately. And I found affirmations um, right around the time that I met Lucas. I mean, I always knew about them, but I really implemented them around that time. And I did so by writing them down on post-its, mm. um, putting them on my computer, my mirrors in, in the car, in my wallet, on my phone, um, putting them on actual eight by 11 paper as well and posting them up all over the wall, like wallpaper to the point where, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if you've seen The Beautiful Mind, but- <laughs> Yeah, he's got the whole okay. web at the end of it, yeah. Yes, I had I had my friends and and my father came into my room once and he thought that I had gone crazy because <laughs> I made wallpaper out of it. Um, but that's really that's really it is being able to coach yourself um, through every passing moment and getting up and and at any point when you're sitting at your desk or you're rehearsing a song or you're backstage before you need to give a speech, uh, any place that makes you nervous in your life. Being able to stop, whip them out, and even say them out loud, stomp your feet, scream them out loud until you believe um, what you're saying. And affirmations are meant not just to be said, but to be felt, to be felt with Mm -hmm. gratitude and appreciation that it is true now, that you're living as though and you're feeling as though in your body that you believe in those things. Did I answer the question for you? Oh, that was beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's finding that way, that time when you feel something, let's say nerves in this case that we're talking about, especially with performing any sort of anxiety or doubt where you could create some space. And if the more practice you have for you, it's, it's posted notes, it's, it's having affirmations to reprogram yourself, rewire yourself, the more more you're able to build that muscle and practice that, the more you'll grow your belief in yourself. And a lot of these things that you have on your website is just wrapped with self-love and acceptance. That's why I loved it so much. I was like, this is terrific. Yeah, it's really, it's everything. And you know, you mentioned rewiring right now, and that's like a great catchword for the process. And having Post-its around you, constantly reminding yourself of how you want to show up, that's really the game because you have to constantly remind yourself because your subconscious is going to take every opportunity it can to slip in doubt, worry, or fear. And it's incredible how quickly in a matter of moments, if you let in a thought that's basically your subconscious trying to sabotage you to ultimately keep you safe, that you can completely get out of the space that you were in where you're connected with your purpose, your goals, who you are, and get into a space of self-doubt and just you know desiring to, to stop basically. And so for us, like when you when you go around our studio in our bedroom, you know, you look in our phone, our computers, 
we have reminders everywhere reminding us of who we are, who we're choosing to show up as, what we're about, what our goals are, what we're working for, why we want it. So for each of us, we're checking in dozens of times a day with these affirmations. It's it's one of the main keys to our success. And I, I honestly don't think we could have achieved the success we've achieved without those. Yeah, that's fantastic. And just to to add to your point, which you which you had mentioned earlier is tapping into the why. You know, continuing to tap into the why you're doing this will get you through those doubts, those fears. I think that's absolutely crucial and brilliant. And I'm actually curious what most musicians, what is the what does that doubt and worry sound like? What is the theme there? What's the common thread that people worry about as performers that you've come across? I think that they fear whether or not they're good enough mm. um, and that the starving artist mentality, they truly mm. believe that there isn't a pathway for abundance that exists. Um, so those are the two areas. Um, and then also just how to manage your time. You know, like any other entrepreneur, um, there are, it's a balancing act. And um, it can get overwhelming. And it, it certainly is for us still at this point. Um, so having tools to learn how to balance and manage your time, I think is really important. Yeah, I think a lot of artists uh, know they have work to do on both ends of their artistry and their career. Uh, but in the last few years, we've really seen sort of a sea change in the consciousness of artists understanding that their role is not just to show up as artists, but that mm -hmm. they're also functioning 100% as entrepreneurs, that their their duties are split roughly 50-50 between the two. Wow. And what's incredible is once they have that clarity and they understand what their, their duality of roles are, then we can focus with them on giving them the tools they need to become the artist they desire to be, to make the impact they want in the world with their voice, their music, and their message. But at the same time, give them the foundations of success from an entrepreneurial perspective you know, like being able to track their goals and, you know, have deadlines and look at the calendar and say, you know, okay, so I've got a release coming up in three months. Where am I? What are the, the tasks needed to achieve that? How am I doing with that? What do I need to change? It's, it's really balancing business and artistry where we found that that long-term success can come from. And, and once the artists we work with have that clarity, it's, it's incredible because once there's clarity, people can focus on taking action. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But without the clarity, there's just confusion. There's just confusion. You spend more time, you know, hitting a moving target. I, I hear you. Or wondering what the target is. Or wondering <laughs> what the target is. Yeah, true. You know, that this is this is a great place to to shift maybe the last part of the conversation which is the balance. This is this what I'm so excited to hear from you guys. I'm gonna date you back to, I met my wife in dental school. We lived on the same floor for uh, all four years of, of dental school. And we were friends for a couple of years. Then we shifted our relationship. And then we got out of our dental and post-dental training programs, our residency programs. We kind of were talking to ourselves like, hmm, this is really interesting. We both did two different specialties, but we were considering working together, just starting a practice and working together. And so we had these conversations like, hmm, this would be really, in a lot of ways, really rewarding from a professional standpoint. But we were so concerned that it was going to impact our personal relationship in a way that we weren't willing to 
to take the sacrifice. And for us, I think it was the right choice. But for you two, you seem to have figured out how to have that personal relationship and professional relationship. I'm curious to hear what challenges there are for you two as personal partners, but also professional partners to run a business and also maintain a healthy marriage? Well, that's definitely a, a great question. And you know, one of the things that we have playing to our advantage in being married and running a business together is in addition to totally loving each other completely, we also absolutely love what we do. Mm. Music has been our, our foundation our entire lives. And we've also loved coaching and helping others to achieve their dreams specifically in the music industry. It's, you know, for me, it's like the ultimate grand slam dream come true to be able to do the thing I love with the person I love most. That being said, (laughs) there are, you know, uh, inbuilt challenges you could say with running a relationship and a business, uh, both full time around the clock day in and day out. Yes. I would leave us in the first year of our relationship, we called each other the perfect lovers. And we found a book called Perfect Lovers. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, going back, we can see that we were in our honeymoon phase. Um, But we never had a single argument that first year. And we thought it was going to stay that way. Uh, (laughs) But... and then we, we found out about the honeymoon phase and that being <laughs> the first stage of a long-term relationship. Uh, um, I would say that we are so much closer than we've ever been um, today. And that's because we hash it out. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we used to be afraid of having conversations with each other. Yeah. And then we got to a place where we had major battles with each other, you know, and slammed doors in each other's faces and walked out on each other. Um, But what we learned through the years was how to value the truth, Mm -hmm. how to take a look at yourself and notice what is true about what your partner is telling you, because partnerships are um, meant to be a mirror. Um, your partner's meant to be the, the most intimate person and mirror that can show you where you need to grow if you are vulnerable enough to crack that open and face the truth about what you need to change. Yeah, you know, a lot of it has come down to learning about personal responsibility. Mm. You know, the truth is no one can make you feel anything. Mm. You're entirely in control of what you choose to feel, how you react, and by taking full responsibility for the situation that allows us to individually and then together take an empowered perspective to say, what am I doing to create the situation and what can I do to change it to be the situation that I desire? And changing that mindset has been everything for us in changing what used to be problems to looking at it in terms of, okay, what is the truth about this situation? It's, it's not personal. It's how can us working as a team combat the problem together. Yes. And if, you know, if there's that saying, like if you point a finger at somebody or point your finger at your partner, you've got how many more fingers pointing back at yourself. Uh, and it's so true. It's so true. Uh, and I would say to tell you the truth as well, sometimes our relationship does take a back burner. 
You know, um, the holiday season for us was really about getting to where we needed to go to visit our family and do what we needed to do and say our hellos. And then we grind it. We grind it. We, we really didn't have very, we had one night of personal, um, relationship date night. You know, we, we try to honor our date nights every week. Um, they're color coded in our calendar. Our personal space is also color coded. My favorite color is purple. So you'll see where the purple is in the calendar. And Lucas knows, you know, when the purple's in the calendar that we're, we are, we're separate and, you know, he'll leave the house and he'll do his thing. Um, and I'll do what I need to do for self care so I can be my own person as well. Um, but ultimately, I think being an entrepreneur with your spouse is going to require a balance as well. Sometimes you can go take a vacation for a week and, and get really close and, and connect and stare in each other's eyes and um, shut off the business. And then sometimes it's full a whole 30 days of nonstop 12 hour, 15 hour days if you gotta get a project done. And you just have to be willing to work. But that's the thing is if you're doing, if you know your why and you're doing what you love, it doesn't feel like work. And for me, I know with Lucas, he he what he did work a corporate job for quite some time. Yes, I was a project manager for a couple of years to fund our independent music project. Yes, I was uh, the first few years after we met and we desired to spend time together. And we're just so grateful that we get to do that now and not when we retire, not when we're 70 or 80, but we get to spend that time now and grow and be mirrors to each other at the, we're not even 40 yet. So we're just excited to see how much um, more intimacy we can grow and learn about ourselves so that we can continue to make an impact in the world together. Yeah. You know, one of the actual best benefits of running a business full-time with each other is it's allowed us to not be able to run away from our own individual challenge areas and our challenge areas as a couple. Mm -hmm. There's, there's nowhere for them to hide. So they're all, they're all getting zapped one by one, slowly, yes. but surely. Mm -hmm. You, you know, you listen to this and I'm just like, this is in incredible. You talk about balance and self-care and taking personal responsibility. And, you know, you two are able to, you know, on the surface, grow so much together because you're willing to grow together, which I think is just so fantastic. Um, but the truth, I mean, the truth of that is it, mu it must have taken real, real, I'm going to call it work, I admit, for lack of a better word, and conscious effort on both of your parts to have this type of relationship. Um, because that's, do you feel like that's a muscle that has to be grown? Do you, is that how you would describe it for yourself? Or do you think it's a combination of, you know, the way you're, you're raised or what have you? Yeah, I think it's a, a muscle that needs to be grown to overcome our patterns and habits from the way we were raised. Uh, for instance, instead of in a situation pointing the finger and blaming, saying, okay, well, actually, this is an opportunity for me to take personal responsibility and think about how I can change. Yes. And then we have this um, C2 is what we call it, well, curiosity and compassion. So if the, other, if the other partner is going through something emotional, you know, just asking yourself and asking the partner those two questions. What, what are you feeling? Um, why are you feeling that way? Um, and being there for them. 
and putting yourself aside for a moment and taking turns and explaining um, what the other person might be feeling. Because I think often at the the beginning Mm -hmm. stages, we didn't even know what we were feeling when Mm -hmm. we were getting arguments. We didn't even understand it. Um, but yes, we've read many different books. Um, we've had therapists yeah. and um, we've invested it at very high levels in mentors to help us with our relationship. And that's, you know, we talked about the importance of needing mentors. I mean, to this day, I, we currently have about five different mentors that we work with. Fantastic. So um, I think when you work with people that know what they're talking about and have devoted their life to you know, if what you need to work on is your relationship, then go find somebody who's devoted their life to that and they can quantum leap and speed up your results very quickly by just giving you some of these tools and holding you accountable to it. Yeah, I so appreciate what you just said. Uh, you know, it's no secret that I am so grateful that my wife and I have found such an amazing couples therapist and expert that's really at first was there to to put out fires and to help us communicate and have that safe space to talk to and talk with. And now we choose to continue to go for relationship maintenance and to continue to find ways to grow together and connect. Um, and I feel like at least in the bubble that I had seen and surround myself with it was this com- there was this conversation like oh i mean like this judgment around mill maybe what do you mean couples therapist what's wrong but mm-hmm. to hear more people openly express that yes this is important and sometimes it does take work and it, there's nothing to be ashamed of i think is the word that that's wrapped around this this judgment this shame this guilt that you know Things aren't perfect. No one, you know, it's perfect. We're all working to evolve and grow. And like you said, if you want to see the other side of the mirror, reflect back and enjoy what you're looking at, then it's going to take some internal work um, and work together. So I, I just really appreciate how you went there. So I think to get things wrapped up is, first of all, I really enjoyed listening to you two speak. I mean, this is you two are are just wise and the the advice and the coaching and the mindset work that you do outside of your skill set is probably what makes your clients so successful. Um, and I see that kind of wrapping into so many different industries, just the work that you guys do. And, uh, and the fact that you're really just getting going, like I'm 35 years old, I feel like I'm just getting going. I, I feel like I haven't started yet. To hear you saying retiring at 70 or 80, I'm like, yeah, they must really freaking love what they do. They're not saying 50, they're saying, they you threw out an 80 there, so <laughs> bravo. Yes. And really what I want to end with is, is just that thank you and the gratitude and just to give you a plug on how everyone could find you. Yeah, can you share that a little bit with the listeners? Absolutely. Well, thank you for having us on your uh, podcast. Uh, it's been really fun as well. And, you know, it's really important to surround yourself with um, an environment and people that inspire you. And I know that this podcast is one of those places that people can go to to get that. Yeah. Um, and if you want to learn more about us, our website is iheartmyvoice.com. So I H E A R T M Y V O I C E.com. You can also check us out on Instagram. Um, we have a freebie out there called How to Find Your Unique Voice and Path. Love that. And we'll share that in the show notes. Roxy and Lucas, I want to thank you again for coming on, taking the time. And everyone that's listening, I want to thank you as well. Uh, we'll see you on the next episode. And Roxy and Lucas, can't wait to keep in touch with you guys and see all your success. 
Thank you so much, Adam. And you know, you're a huge inspiration for us as well in the way that you've changed your life to go after what you love and what means most to you. Appreciate that. Appreciate that a lot. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. If something resonated with you and you'd like to share it, please email me at adam at escocoaching.com or send me a message on social media. 